right, if you have your Bible, go ahead and open to the book of John, chapter 15. Good to see you tonight. Thank you for coming, being a part. John chapter 15. I shared this this morning. I preached at Mason Creek. I know some of you were there, but we had an interesting day yesterday because yesterday was opening day of deer season. Anybody go hunting yesterday? Praise God for you. The rest of you ought to be ashamed. Good job, Jim. So we went, and this is the first year the boys are hunting. I mean, they've been with me, and they sat in the stand, but this year, they are the ones who are pulling the trigger, and so it's kind of a big deal. So I was hunting yesterday morning with Maddox, and we're in the stand, and he's hunting with a a smaller rifle, so we've got to keep the deer pretty close, within about 100 yards. And so first thing that comes out is a, Steve, I'm saying it was nice. Okay, it was a nine, for sure a nine, maybe a 10 point. Tall tines, beautiful buck, and he's about 175 yards away. And so Maddox has his gun, he's ready. I say, baby, you can't shoot him, he's too far away. But I've got my rifle also. And so I, I pick up my rifle and I, I get set up and I say, Maddox, you can't shoot him, so daddy's going to go ahead and shoot this one. And he says, no, daddy, you can't do that. I say, baby, we got to move quickly here. I'm going to shoot him because you can't. He said, I said, is that okay? And he said, no, daddy, you can't shoot him. I said, why, Maddox? He said, because if you shoot him today, I can't shoot him later. (laughs) And so, Steve, if you can imagine, there's a buck 175 yards away giving a good shot, and we watch him just frolic into the woods without a care in the world. That's called love, and I'm still bitter about it, too. I'll tell you what. (laughs) I've already decided if he comes out again, he's getting shot at one way or the other. I don't know what's going to happen. Um, and again, just like this morning, that has nothing to do with our text, but that's just my bitterness coming out this evening. John chapter 15, I, I know we are moving slowly through this, but let me remind you where we are. Jesus is getting to the point that he is, he's coming up to his crucifixion. Okay? The arrest is right around the corner, and so he is here with his disciples. He is sitting with his disciples, his closest friends, the men that he loves so much. There's 11 of them in his presence, and there's one, remember, who has already left. He has already been dismissed by Jesus. He has already gone and began the process of betraying Jesus. And so with that in mind, Jesus tells this analogy. Jesus gives this analogy, and let's just read the the first few verses. John chapter 15, beginning in verse 1. He says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Now look at verse 4. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. And so we have seen thus far two attributes that every believer has. As Jesus is talking, there's the picture of the vine. 
And the vine is, of course, the Lord Jesus Christ. There's the picture of the vine dresser or the farmer, and that is God. But then there are two types of branches. There are the branches who are attached to Jesus, and those are the real, genuine, authentic followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. But there are also branches who are not connected. There are also branches who are not bearing fruit. They look to be right, they look to be real, but they are not genuine in their relationship to the Lord Jesus Christ. And so with that, we're trying to make the distinction between the real branches and the pretend branches. We're trying to make the distinction between the true followers and the ones who are not genuine. And I believe they're represented by the 11 disciples and Judas. So there are the real disciples, the real followers, and then there is the Judas branch. And so we have seen up to this point that the real followers of the Lord Jesus Christ will bear fruit. Their life will be a life that bears fruit. Now, for some, there will be lots of fruit, and for some, there may be just a little bit of fruit, but every true child of God will be marked by bearing fruit. And so next week, we're going to look at exactly what that means, but we understand enough to know that by fruit, we're talking about a life that honors God. Just in a broad sense, a life that honors God. A true follower of the Lord Jesus Christ will strive to live a life that honors God. Secondly, we saw that every true follower of the Lord Jesus Christ will be pruned by the Father. Not some, but all. Now, the pruning is done with a knife. Remember, we made the comparison of pruning back to James 1, where it says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect in you, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. In other words, we might go through difficult times, but the reason is, Or at least God can bring good out of the difficult times so that we will bear more fruit. We may go through tragic times. We may go through tough times because we live in a fallen world. But because we serve such a good God, he can use those tough times, those tragic times, those difficult times so that we come out the other side and we look more like him. And that's an amazing thing, isn't it? To realize that through the tough times, God is molding us to be more like the Lord Jesus Christ. But I want to just show you a third element that every true believer will have in their life. A third element, and in verses 4 through 10, 4 through 11, this word is used 10 times. It is the word abide. Every true believer will abide. It's used so often, this word in this text, we would be foolish not to spend some time on it. Because it is so important. It says over and over and over again that we must abide. And I believe what's happening is Jesus is looking at those branches who are not abiding. He's looking at the fruitless branches. He's looking at the branches who are living their lives for themselves. 
He's looking at the branches who have no concern and no care about the things of God, and he's pleading with them, would you please just abide in me? Would you please be a real branch, and would you abide in me? Now, they look genuine, they look real, and they look right, but it's superficial. We could say that they, they go to church. We could say they claim to be devout, just like Judas. Remember, that's our analogy here, just like Judas. They look the part. They go to Bible study. They talk about their relationship. They listen to Christian music. They wear the Christian T-shirts. They can give a three-minute testimony out of their life. They know all the slogans and the code words that Christians use. And there's a lot of them, but it's not real and it's not genuine. And that's a problem in our current culture, isn't it? It's a real problem. It's a problem in the day of Jesus as he looks at his followers. It's a problem throughout history. I've been reading a little bit on the the first great awakening First Great Awakening happened in the 1730s and the 1740s. And it began with a Dutch pastor by the name of Theodore. And he came in and he was a part of four churches. And he began to see that all four churches had something in common. He looked at these churches and he said that they're saying the right things. They have the right words to say. But the more I watch them... I see that they are dead inside. He said, all four, they're the exact same. I go from one, I go to the next, I go to the next, I go to the next, and they all can say the right things. They can quote scripture. They can talk about Jesus. They can do all these things. But the more that I'm around them, I see that it's just a ritual in their life. It's just a performance in their life. They look like it, but it's not genuine. It's kind of like, have you ever gone to the fridge and you wanted just a cold glass of milk? And so you look, you find some milk, and you, you pour it, and you take a drink, and all of a sudden you realize the milk has gone bad. Anybody ever done that? Probably have, hadn't we? And so it looked like milk, but it sure didn't taste like milk. And so he looked at his churches, and he said, man, they, they look like the church, and they can talk like the church, but there's something missing And so during the time of the first great awakening, it was not a revival outside. It was not a revival to go out on the street and begin to preach. It was a revival that began on the inside of the church. It was a revival that began because pastors looked at their congregations and they said, man, my church is dead. We can say the right things and we can sing the songs, but there's nothing clicking on the inside. There's an appearance But that's all it is, is an appearance. And so later, Jonathan Edwards and these others, they did the same thing. And they began to preach. And they began to preach hard to their own people. And it led to one of the greatest revivals that we have seen. And it's the same picture that we're looking at right here. He says, you look right, but there's something missing. What you need is you need to abide. And so I want to begin And I want to look at the question, what does it mean to abide? It's used ten times here. What does it mean when the Bible says to abide? 
Well, you could say it's, it's real simple. It means to remain. It means to dwell. It means to stay. It means to continue to live. It sounds so simple, but it's really the essence of being a Christian. To abide with Christ. To have this relationship with Christ. Look at verse 6. John 15, verse 6. And we see what happens if we don't abide. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. If you don't abide, it's very serious. And so we're talking about the concept of remaining faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ, of being real. Now now let me ask you to flip over to Mark chapter 4. Hold your finger. We're not done in John 15, but look at Mark chapter 4. Once you see it, you'll know this text well. Jesus is giving the parable of the sower. He says a man goes out, Mark chapter 4, a man goes out and he begins to sow some seed. And some seed falls among the path. And the path is almost like concrete. It's solid. And so the seed goes down on the path and the seed cannot penetrate. And so the Bible says the birds come and they eat the seed. Other seed falls among the rocky soil. In the rocky soil, the seed goes down into the soil, but it's so rocky it cannot go deep. But it goes enough that it begins to grow a plant. But when the sun comes out and there's scorching heat, the heat comes and it, it burns that plant up and the plant withers away. A third type of seed falls among the thorns. And so the seed goes into the ground, the plant sprouts up, But in just a little while, the thorn bushes grow and they choke the plant out. And the fourth type of seed goes into the good soil. And the seed goes down, it gets the nutrients out of the soil, and it begins to produce a plant. And the plant begins to grow, and the plant produces fruit. 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold, much fruit comes out of this plant. And the disciples ask, would you explain that to us? And Jesus begins to explain the parable. Now, for our context, we really need to look at verses 16 and 17. Verses 16 and 17, talking about the seed that fell among the rocky soil. Because that's what we're talking about when we talk about abiding in Christ. So the Bible says, and these are the ones sown on the rocky ground. The ones who, when they hear the word, they immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. And then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. You understand what he's saying? The the seed goes down and there's a plant. The plant represents the Christian life. Okay, It, It looks like a Christian. It looks like a genuine follower. There was the word that came in. It came into the heart. It, it, it motivated a response. And so there's a response and there's an excitement. But the first time that trials come, the first time that difficulties come, what happens? They fall away. They do not abide. They do not remain. 
They are not real. They are not authentic. They are not genuine in their relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. They wanted to follow when it was easy. They wanted to follow when it made their life simple. But when it was challenging, then they fell away. Maybe there's a tragedy in someone's life. And so they walk away from the faith. Maybe there is prosperity in someone's life. There are many people who the worst thing that's happened to them is prosperity. And because of prosperity, they walked away from the faith. Maybe there are challenges. Maybe there are priority changes. Anybody know folks like this? We do, don't we? We can sit and we can think about people who at one point they were all in for Jesus. They were all in for the things of God. But now they're not doing a single thing for the kingdom of God. We've been here at Woodland Hills for over 13 years now. And some of you have been here longer than I have. You can, you can think and you can remember. I could name hundreds of people who at one time they were serving in the church. They were, I'm thinking of a guy, he was in the, the kitchen. Sheila, he was in the kitchen with you and he was working and he was serving and just so committed. But now he's not doing anything. I'm not making it about church. I'm not saying he's not here. I'm saying he's not anywhere doing anything for the kingdom of God. There have been folks who were committed. They were devoted. They were driving the bus. And then they're gone. There are folks who would not miss a service because they wanted to learn more. They wanted to grow. They were striving for a deeper walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. But something happened in their life and they just, they quit. They don't have anything to do with God any longer. They did not remain. They did not abide. And all of a sudden, I ask the question, what happened? What happened in their life? How does that happen? In 1 John chapter 2, it says this. It says, they went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might become plain that they all are not of us. They went out. They did not abide. They did not remain. And the reason is that they are not genuine in their walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, don't get mad at me for saying it. This is what the Bible teaches. Amen? Somebody say amen. This is not what I'm saying. This is what the Bible is teaching. 1 John 2, 24, it says, Let what you've heard from the beginning abide in you. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too will abide in the Son and in the Father. The one who abides, that is the legitimate believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. Colossians 1, verse 21, it says, And you who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he is now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. Now listen, if indeed you continue in the faith, if you continue stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven. In other words, the fact that you abide, 
The fact that in your life people can see you and they can see that you have loved Jesus and you're still loving Jesus and you're going to continue to love Jesus, that is a proof of the relationship that you have. That is a proof of the genuine relationship that you have. It's talking about the perseverance of the saints. Hebrews 3, 6, but Christ is faithful over God's house as a son, and we are in his house if indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting is in our hope. Now listen, here's the application. You ever had a time in your life that you just got discouraged? We have, haven't we? We get discouraged. Now, let me tell you what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that there might not be seasons in life where we backslide. Because there is, right? There are seasons that we backslide. We see that with Jonah. Jonah's a prophet of God. He gets a word from God. But what does he do? He goes the opposite direction. He's not abiding. But I want you to see that's just a season for his life. And during that season, God pushes him back to his will. You think about the prodigal son. He was living a life. He was backsliding. But again, it's only a season in his life. You think about Peter when he is denying the Lord. All of a sudden, he's backsliding. He's not abiding. But again, that's just a season in his life. The true child of God will continue. He will abide. So have you ever had times in your life that you're just, I mean, you're just really discouraged you're really down, and maybe if you're honest, you start thinking about it, and you ask yourself this question, is it really worth it? Just a simple question. You're reflecting on your life, and you just say, is it worth it? Maybe, maybe you're just, anybody just busy? You just look at life, and you're just like, oh, I'm being pulled in all these different directions, and I'm just so busy. And you got kids, and what you want more than anything else is just a nap. It's like, dear God, please let me have a nap today. You know, you just feel so busy. And then there's all these church events and activities and all these things you know you ought to be doing. And so you're just walking through, and then you, you, you think to yourself, is it, is it worth it? Or maybe you look at your life, and you know you ought to be faithful in your giving, and you're tithing, and you're giving extra for the, the building, and you're, you're writing that check. And then you begin to think, I could sure use a new vehicle. And this check, that could be a payment every month. And so you just, you pause for a moment, and you just ask the question, is it worth it? Or maybe you're teaching a, a life group, you're, you're teaching the kids, you're teaching the teenagers, and you're studying throughout the week. And you've got these hobbies that you, you just don't have time for, but you miss them. But you're, you're working on this preparation, and so in the midst of just studying and trying to do the very best you can, you just, you just stop for a moment and you, you think and you say, is it worth it? Or you're, you're cooking in the kitchen, and it takes all day on Wednesday and so you're cooking, and you're doing your thing, and you're working, and you're serving, and you're cleaning. And then you just think to yourself, is it, is it worth it? You're an usher. You're whatever it is that you're involved in. You ever just have a time, and you, you look back, and you ask yourself the question, is it worth it? Here's what the Bible says. 
Bible says the true believer will answer that question and will say it's worth it. It's worth it. It doesn't mean it's, it's going to be easy. It doesn't mean there, there might not be these times where you ask the question. There may be these times that you get burnt out a little bit. There may be these times that it just seems like it's so much. There may be these times that you ask the question, but the true child of God will abide. The true child of God will be fruitful. The true child of God will continue. So what happens, we're going to speed up now, I promise. What happens, what is the result of abiding? What's the result? Look at it, he says, abide in me, and then he says, and I in you. Abide in me and I in you. So I want you to see the result when we abide is that Christ will abide in us. Do you get that? We abide in the vine. We abide in Christ. And in return, Christ will abide in us. Remember what Jesus said? He said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in. I will come in to be with him, to eat with him. It says in Ephesians 3, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no, no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. When we are truly saved, we have the Holy Spirit of God that lives inside of us. Do you realize that? I, mean, it's, I know we say it a lot, but just to understand what that means, that where you are right now as you're sitting on the pew, the Holy Spirit of God dwells inside of you. That, that you're going through whatever it is that you're going through. Maybe there's pain. Maybe there's hurt. To know that the Holy Spirit of God is right there with you. And he will not leave you. He will not forsake you. He will be with you throughout all of it. He says, if you are true and you're abiding, Jesus will be true and abiding in you. Now look, abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me, for I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing." I love this part because not only do we have Jesus, but when we abide, that's where we get our fruit from. You look at your life and you say, man, I want to be fruitful, but I don't know how to do it. You know how to be fruitful? Listen, all you've got to do is tap into the power of the Holy Spirit within you. He says, if you abide in me, you will bear fruit. But if you don't abide in me, you won't because you cannot do anything apart from me. We've got this, this tool at our disposal, and sometimes we try to do it on our own strength, and when we do that, we fall short. It reminds me, uh, a few weeks ago, I was, I was trying to anchor a gun safe to the concrete, okay? And so I had my little battery-powered drill, and I went out and I bought me a concrete bit, and I... I'd say, Brittany, I got to go. I'm going to be out here for just a little bit. And so I go, and I, I begin to push that drill down on the concrete. And I'm just, I mean, I'm holding it down, and I'm going, and the, it, it, it's going as fast as it can. But I'm trying to drill for 15 minutes, and my battery dies. And I, I pull it up, and I've gone about that far. 
Can you see it? And so I, I'm persistent. I'm not going to give up. I've got two batteries. That's just one. And so I go and I get my other battery and I, I fill it up. I got four holes to drill and I've gone that far and I got to get three and a half inches on each one. So I got a long way to go. But I, I go and I, I think I'm doing this for about, about three hours that day. And in three hours, I got that far. And I realized there's a problem. And so I called up a buddy and he has a big hammer drill that's built for this type of stuff. And so the next day we meet for lunch and I get this drill and this thing, I mean, it is big. It is, it, it's just, it's awesome. So I get it and I take it home and I'm thinking, here we go again. I get it set up and I put it on the concrete and I start to push. It's like butter. I mean, that thing, it just, it just glides through. I go all the way through the concrete. Then I go to this one. I go, I mean, it took less than two minutes to do all of it. Here I was the day before, and I was, oh, I had so much sweat and just dust all over me, and I was just, eh, it would not even move, eh, and then this sucker, it just, vroom, vroom. it was so much better. I mean, it was awesome, and I think that's a good picture of what, what happens in our life. When we're trying to go and we're trying to be fruitful in our own power, we're just, meh. I don't need to sin, bam. I don't need to do this, bam. I need to do this. And it just, it feels like it's exhausting. But when we just let the power of the Holy Spirit work in us and through us, then we just bring out the big guns and we just go through all of it. And there, there's such a difference within it. So he says, when you abide in me and I abide in you, what's going to happen is you're going to be fruitful. Now look at verse 7. We're closing up, I promise. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. So we've got Jesus in us. We're living a life of fruit. And now the Bible says our prayers will be answered. You know what it's saying? It's not saying here's a blank check. You get whatever you want. It's saying you're abiding in the Spirit. And so you're walking so closely with God that what you pray for is in the will of God. So you pray in faith, seeking for the, the right things. It's not that you're seeking for a brand new car. You're seeking for the, the right things. And when you're walking in this type of life, your prayers will be answered. Last thing I want you to see, look at verse 8. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. The Father's glorified. You will prove to be my disciples. We talked about this a little bit last week, but have you ever had a time that you just begin to doubt your salvation? Listen, when we are abiding in Christ and we are fruitful and our, our prayer life is just something special, we're going to look at our life and we're going to say, I, I've got proof. I know where I stand with the Lord Jesus Christ. I know the relationship that I have with Jesus. And so here's my question. How are you doing at abiding in Christ? Let me ask you to close your eyes, bow your head. Just think about it. True believers abide. That's what the Bible teaches. True believers abide. But I do believe there can be different levels of it. I do believe that we can be abiding by just the skin of our teeth. 
And we can be abiding in every moment of every day. And so I want to ask you, where's the level in your life? Are you abiding deeply? It goes on, it talks about what does it mean to abide? We didn't get this far, but it means to trust. It says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you. We, we take the word of God, we trust it, we apply it to our life. It means to be obedient. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. It means to look like Jesus because Jesus abided with the Father. 